When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, yeah, that's some awesome saxophone guitar trading going on right there between Mr. Kirk Wellam and myself. Welcome to another episode of the Career Musician Podcast, Episode 9, featuring, you guessed it, Kirk Wellam, my mentor, personal friend, and all-around amazing musical being. I am utterly thrilled to be sitting at the dinner table with one of my heroes, and my mentor, and I oftentimes refer to him as Uncle Kirk in the past, and I will continue to do so. We're here at Nomad's Place with the one, the only, Mr. Kirk Whalem. What's going on, man? Or as they would say in Cincinnati, Kurt Whaley. Kurt Whaley. (laughs) Now, I know you and I can relate because people always mispronounce our names. (laughs) I always get Rapoli, Ripoli, Rapoli, you know, whatever, and you... You get yeah, Wallum, Wallum. Yeah, normally, in fact, when we lived in France, my name was Wallum. You know, Monsieur Wallum. See, but that sounds so sophisticated. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, but for sure, like for instance, right now in South Africa, since we tend to spend a lot of time there, Mm. we have had to sort of navigate. You know, what are they going to call me? You know, because there's lots of lots of people who call me Wallum. You know, because you got the Afrikaans dialect there and so they see W-H-L-U-M and it would you know in the Dutch you know side of things would be Wallum so I I answered all of that man you are the epitome of a renaissance man Uh, language being one of your uh, fortes love language you just have an ear I mean let's just say could we say this that musicians because their ears are so finely tuned that perhaps they're I think I think we have more of a tendency I I don't think it's I don't think it's um, a given because you know not not all the musicians I know have you know have an ear for language in fact it's interesting I find more keyboard players who don't have an ear for language but they but they're uh, a, a lot more organized than than say a saxophone player like they tend keyboard players tend to be more gifted in administration 
yeah. things that like they could work you know left range job they could go and you know run somebody's office but when it comes to creative stuff like language you know I don't know I mean yeah. I, I definitely am on that side but you have a natural propensity for it, I love it. and yeah. how many languages do you speak so I, I speak three really I mean uh, I can converse in, in French and Spanish Okay. Right. So, you know, when you say I'm fluent, the idea of being fluent, more like if you can converse in a language, then I call that fluent. But fluent is rough because, I mean, I don't consider myself to be fluent even in English. You know, fluent, I mean, seriously, fluent to me is like how much vocabulary do you know? That's really what I call fluent. That's a good barometer because we are also sitting next to your lovely wife, who is quite the English professor, that's right, if, yeah, I, so, if memory serves me correct. That's right. So you got, you know, an English nerd, you know, yeah. that's, that's a different thing. So, you know, you talk about how deep into a given language can you go. Mm. You know, we talk about someone from England, you know, uses, I forget what the percentage is, but it's a much higher percentage of vocabulary than we use in, in America. In fact, mm. when we were in France, they said, oh, you speak American. You know, they don't even call it English. Big difference, look at that. <laughs> you speak American too, huh? Man, music, perhaps one of the biggest, if not the biggest universal language that ever has existed you know what? If it wasn't for that, I don't know. I just, boy, I'd wither away. I know that's for sure. And for those of you out there who can uh, identify with that statement, man, you know what? Again, I love talking to Kirk because he was always studying Spanish, French, and the Bible. I did an eight-year tenure with him as his guitar player uh, at the time I was living in Nashville. And let me tell you, I learned so much from that man. Talk about discipline and fortitude, motivation, perseverance, and just overall focus and determination. These are the things that we need to really grab hold of in our lives to take our careers or our craft, our passion, to the next level. Once again, Kirk Wellam. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You know, it's interesting that, I don't know, we're just going with the flow, how we started there, but I wanted to show your uh, eclectic side of, of course, as artists, musicians, a lot of us are, in the, fall into the eclectic category, but you, in particular, I really enjoy the things that uh, occupy your time, per se. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is your gospel, according to jazz concept. Yes. And, man, you coined that, and now you're on chapter four of yes. already. Can you, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was something really when I first met you uh, during that time, I had gotten dropped from Columbia Records. And, uh, you know, in terms of the ego, that was a very big deal. You know, like I'd been there for 12 years and kind of started seeing myself as, you know, like belonging in that, you know, that, that echelon or whatever. And, uh, and then when I got dropped, it was a big, big, you know, earthquake of the ego. So when I was about to have my pity party, uh, my wife, thank God for a godly wife, just, she stopped me. It's like she said something. She said, okay, what can you do today that you couldn't do yesterday when you were a Columbia recording artist? And it just completely like, you know, and that's when I, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that we had been doing, of course, you know, I've taught Bible studies and and that kind of thing, you know, since I can remember, since I was 20. But then, uh, or, or at least, you know, I've been studying with other people. We, and we've been studying metaphysical things and, and uh, you know, deep spiritual things, quote-unquote. But for me, you know, this, you know, the idea of doing uh, a, something, quote-unquote, sacred in a secular context... Right, so that's a dualistic way of looking at it, but but um, you know, as a musician playing in the marketplace, to then consecrate a moment, whether that's you know an hour and a half or just a song, to say, you know, I, I want to. This is my expression of of the center, the core of who I am and whose I am, and so uh, that was what we had done, we had messed around with, when I was on tour with, with Jonathan Butler, George Duke, and Rochelle Farrell, we yeah. slipped into that on one show where we just broke into a hymn, excuse me, and you know, just having Jonathan up there, oh, yeah. you know, you, you're subject to do anything, you know, one minute maybe reggae, you know, and that's what, having someone like Jonathan, who is I've considered to be like a gift to the world, a very unique gift to the world. You know, Agreed. there's Stevie Agreed. Wonder, you know, there's Jonathan Butler, that type of thing. Yeah. George and Rochelle, I consider the same thing. But, but Jonathan in particular, so instinctive, you know, mm -hmm. he's just going to go with the flow and go with the spirit. And so we played a hymn, and people loved it. I mean, they stood up, you know, I remember standing ovation. And I just put a marker right there. Like, people are hungry for that. There is a, there's a different kind of expression that happens when, and a different kind of reaction and chemistry that happens when there's something that is that uh, 
uh, axiomatic to who you are. It's, it's a profound statement of something deep within, you know. Uh, and again, uh, we're talking about one's faith, and in this case, one's relationship with God. And so, so that was that was where that came from, you know, from her saying that to me. And then, you know, my manager came up with this this concept of the gospel according to jazz, like Luke, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but like jazz being this voice that represents, you know, uh, spontaneity and vulnerability of expression, as opposed to, um, you know, feeling like you had to. You know, that it has to go through some sort of, sort of uh, uh, you know, grid or something. It, it's If you think about it, I have a feeling that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did that too. Mm-hmm. That they just spoke what was there. Their, yes, they, apparently, if you go in theological circles, there was a source that they call Q. stands for Quele. And that source, nobody knows exactly what that was. But in other words... It was something that they were taking their their notes from because if you notice, there's parallel, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular. They're speaking from the same script, as it were. What is that script? Again, they call that Q, Quele, right? And so this, this, if you think about it, when we... When we play what's in our hearts and we're expressing this this affinity for the Savior, then really I consider it to be like you're 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 coming from somewhere deep that is you can't really put your finger on it, you know. And so that's really what excited me about being able to to kind of pursue this other path where we're expressing the unex the inexpressible. We're mm. we're talking about the divine. Again, we we know the, the revelation we have of Jesus the Christ, right? The Son of God, uh, who came and died for our sins and then resurrected, right? And yet, you know, there's the Creator God who is wow. I mean, is so far above anything that we could comprehend. How wonderful, how sweet it is that God revealed God's self to us through this Christ. And so we have a story to tell. We know who this you know, who this God is because Jesus was the, literally said, the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. So here we are telling our story, we're relating our, you know, our, the, I don't want to say reaction, but our our interaction with with this amazing God who we can't pull up our finger on, you know. That's where all that came If you've had the pleasure of seeing Kirk perform live, then you know exactly what he's talking about. He really does express himself musically and spiritually simultaneously. And you know what? I'm grateful for that because it's a perspective that I believe everyone can benefit from. Now, whether you share the exact same beliefs as he or myself or anyone else around, I don't think it matters. We're just talking about edifying one another. And look, we're all in this together, right? So for me, I count it a blessing. So you come out of this thing, you have the big record deal, now all of a sudden your wisdom-filled wife says, hey, what can you do, how can you do it differently now? What can you do now that you've never done before? And then you you go hang out with Jonathan Butler and you do a hymn and it 
it, it's like wonderful feedback. So this gives you now you're on chapter four. So you're yeah. growing it to a point that I mean it's probably uh, exceeded uh, initial expectations. And, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, the fact is that the success that I had had with my most successful record, which I believe still to the day to this date is for you, um, doesn't hold a candle to you know the gospel for the jazz I mean you know not only that owning the masters um, you know what I mean and as well being able to um, you know the, the smaller venues um, but to to be in demand in Rio and in Belfast and in Accra Ghana and in Cape Town at the same time at any level you know to the, to the I owe the gospel according to jazz for that you cut the middleman out man there's so <laughs> many times when the machine i.e. The, the big record label the right. corporate conglomerates mm -hmm. right get in the way well why can't we go tour Europe oh there's not enough money there right well wait a minute because you need your 15-20% commission <laughs> no 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 right. let's cut the middleman out let's get straight to the source now see and, and not that I'm all knowing but from what I've gathered touring around the world and playing with world class musicians such as yourself is the world is a big place and most of the world aside outside of America really appreciates good music <laughs> and and that one of those you know forms being jazz or any variation thereof exactly. right right yeah so now it's a, it's an interesting duality because you're talking about these two I don't want to say idioms for a religion but you're talking about jazz as an idiom right yeah. is that yeah. safe to say right. religion and I don't call you a religious man because you're not you one of the biggest things bro is you you lead by example you don't go beat people over the head mm -hmm. with words you just do and then people for the most part come up to you and say geez man how do you what are you doing i, I noticed you're doing this and that but why do you do that all right next question yeah i would say really that you could say just using the gospel according to jazz as um as our model, you could say that the gospel is content and jazz is the delivery system. Okay. Or there the, you, go. you know, say in, 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 in the metaphor of a FedEx delivery person, you know, that what's in the package is, is, is gospel. Mm. You know, the package itself is jazz. The FedEx guy is yeah. jazz. With the, the exactly. Eye. So, oh, okay. in other words, the idea is that, you know, the content. Is it's, it is all? It's all that matters. But but it, and so when you got that perspective, then you can say, okay, now every individual is going to relate to that content. And again, this is a person we're talking about. That's another beautiful thing is that it's not. You're right. It's not religion because you know then then we could truly say that it was content. I'm only using that metaphor just to kind of get the point across. But okay. it's actually an individual. So it's like there's an invitation in there. Like inside of that box is an invitation, and the invitation is to a, a real life relationship. You know, to 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 this um, banquet where you get to meet this person who will change your life forever, mm. right? And who has known you from the very beginning. It's like you meet that individual who not only knows all about you, but has all the answers to your questions and and all the uh, the you know the things that you've been trying to accomplish are accomplished in this person 
and um, all, and, and that has to do with every area of your life, whether it's your your craft or you know you spiritually, all of that. Ronnie Laws, Arnett Cobb, George Duke, wherever your source of inspiration comes, it's always great to acknowledge and to bestow grace and accolades upon those people who have paved the way before you. That's definitely what Kirk has done here. On top of that, he's taken the whole concept of music and the gospel to another level. My artist alias is Nomad, but you know, all professional musicians, we're all nomadic in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where I derived mine from. My father growing up in Cuba, moving around, bouncing around. Similar story for yourself. Mm -hmm. You were born here in the United States in Memphis, is that yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. But then tell us about your path after that. Right, so at 17, 18, uh, went to, to Texas Southern in Houston. Could not wait to leave home. <laughs> you know, there are two kinds of people, right? The people who like, I'm not going anywhere. And the other person is like, just give me a ticket, doesn't matter, I'm going. Yeah. And so couldn't wait to get there and from there and that was serendipitous because I ended up hanging out at the same place where Joe Sample and Wilton Felder and, and Hubert Laws and Ronnie Laws all went to school. And I didn't even realize that when I got there. And then I and as well I met the guy who really turned my musical saxophone and that's Arnett Khan. And so yeah that was that was huge. But then from Houston you know, Ruby and I got married in Houston because we were both in school there, and still in school when we got married. And then um, in 1980, and then I graduated in '82, and then um, eventually moved to LA. You know, in '87, and um, you know, lived there for about four years. And then one day we're standing there in the apartment uh, washing dishes, and Ruby says, uh, "You know what? We don't just." go to Paris, you know, because I had said years ago, I said, one of these are going to move to Paris. Stayed there for a summer and stayed with a French family and learned French. I love, begun to learn French. Love French. And so she says to me this day, um, about 1990, she said, well, if we don't just do this, we're probably never going to do it. And, you know, she being the, the more stable one, you know what I mean? Uh, I knew that her saying that was like, okay, go, let's go. Don't worry about anything. So just sell everything and go. So we did. Greater yeah. weight to the term behind every great man. There's an even greater woman. <laughs> it just adds more truth to that. It's so true, man. And just to have that support system. You know, when you're a family, you know, it is the family dream. It can become something really beautiful. And, and it does have import. Like our children were able to live in another country and see another culture. So. We did that in 91, and uh, we were going to stay a little longer, but we stayed about a year and a half, and then we moved back. We got us touring with Houston, and so uh, she was ready to go back and move. You know? I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I have to ask you now. So this was right about the time that you hooked up with Whitney. Yes. Just tell us about that a little bit. Absolutely. So I started playing with her in 89 because I hired Ricky Minor. Uh, who eventually was her musical director, but at the time... Excuse was me, you had hired Ricky. I hired him, yeah, That's to, awesome. play a, to play a, a jazz game. And, uh, you know, because I had asked around, you know, who's, you who's know, the who cat? play. Yeah, yeah. I just moved to L.A. 
And uh, Land Richards, so we used to definitely hire Ricky Minor. And, and, and uh, Land Richards is the great drummer, drummer from famed Houston. drummer, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I had known him when he was, you know, 16, 17 in Houston. Look at that. And yeah. um, so he said, man, you got to hire Ricky. So I, I called Ricky, plays the gig. Next day he calls me. He's like, man, I, you know, didn't, I didn't mention this last night, but um, I just got uh, promoted. Um with Whitney, you know, not just playing baseball, but now I'm her musical director. Wow. And I and I convinced her that, you know, if you hire me, you know, you know what, it's going to cost a lot of money, not so, so much because of me, because I'm going to hire all of the best, best, you know, like studio musicians, you know. And um, like you're Whitney Houston, you should have you should the have best of the, the best. the cream of the crop, yes. Exactly. Subscribe at the Career Musician Podcast. So it turns out that the solo Kirk played on I Will Always Love You, the Dolly Parton song, made hugely famous all over again by Whitney Houston, is in fact the most heard saxophone solo throughout the world. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) In addition to his stint with Whitney, Kirk has played with a huge list of heavy cats, the baddest bleepity bleeps, on their instruments, you know, around. From George Duke, Paul Jackson Jr., Greg Fillingains, Ricky Lawson, just go down the list, Rick Braun, Norman Brown, contemporaries, you know, cats from back in the day, new cats, heavy cats, left cats, right cats, you name it. On top of all that, that's him burning right there on my album, the song called Cat Dog on Discovery Anew. That he also produced for me. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Thank you, Kirk. I love, I love Ricky the way Ricky put it. Uh, and not that you're gonna have to pay me this ton of money, but because I'm gonna hire the best of the best, it's gonna cost you money. But in the long run, you're gonna benefit. Exactly. You know, you're gonna be so happy. Dude. And that's music business 101. If I might interject <laughs> for all those would-be music directors, right. and, you know, hopeful career musicians. That's that's right. profound, right there. Absolutely. And and you're gonna have to pay Ricky too. Of course, of course. But that was a very politically correct way Absolutely. of him delivering that message. Well, we she know. did, and and sure enough, it was you know from Ricky Lawson on, you know, just all the you know. Paul Jackson Jr. I mean, you oh. so people playing the actual Michael Jackson sessions, you know. So, you know, once once that happened, uh, you know, he said that to me, and he said, "Man, well, I, you know, how would you how would you feel about going on the road with Houston?" And, and I, I, I honestly, I was ambivalent because, on the one hand, I, I'm stupid enough to not really be thinking about how much money I'd be making as much as man what am I sacrificing because I'm trying to do my own thing and I'm trying to 
continue to build. It's not like I had to start it, you know, as they say, off the turnip truck. I had I had been building this thing since I was, you know, 22, you know, where I'm playing my gig with my band at a small club in Houston and then, you know, finally get a record deal and all of that. And so now years down, now I've got three records out and I get this call. Mm. And so it's like, wow, okay. So I have a, my trajectory is not as steep, mm. but it is a trajectory and it's upward. So to take this quote-unquote hiatus is the way I looked at it. Potential diversion. There's a diversion yeah. from what, you know, I you know, arguably should have been doing. Now, there were people who said to me at the time, well, hey, yeah, but listen, you're playing with Whitney Houston. Just think of how many more people you'd be exposed you can to. Impact. Oh, yeah. So uh, that actually wasn't really so much the case until much later. Okay, so when I, you know, the demographic that you got to really think in terms like marketing terms, you know, like the 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 sort of um, sophist- more sophisticated, little older demographic that I was, you know, shooting for without knowing it. I'm just mm-hmm. playing this particular kind of music. Right, is not the demographic that Whitney was commanding, which was global, but nonetheless different. Pop, because it's, it's different at, at the time. It was the pop of the day. Absolutely, which you was know. a younger demographic. Twelve, twelve years old to to thirty. You know. And you're doing this sophisticated, more instrumental-based music right. that has a lot of jazz elements in it, but also R&B exactly. elements. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah. you know, that was, you know, that that, you know, was pretty obvious to me and those people who said that, you know, I would love to go back to them and say, actually, I was right. <laughs> but uh, the fast forward after the bodyguard, and yeah, since that's a big calling card for me now. To be able to say, oh, he's the guy that played the saxophone solo in the bodyguard. And by the way, that saxophone solo has been heard by more people than any other recorded saxophone solo. Now, so now that is a distinctive that I find absurd because, right. you know, we could sit here and pull up from John Coltrane. Yes, but you said the magic word, marketing. Yeah. So we're talking about a whole different animal now, but look at the genius in that, how that now works in your favor. Exactly. Right? And so you I think leverage that's what you're saying that. here. You leveraged it, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. So that's and you the continue thing. to leverage it. Exactly. It's part of what we do. Yeah, yeah, and whatever that is, like you gotta find some way to connect with the masses. And again, that that, that your masses, quote unquote, may be uh, you know, you know, maybe just thousands of people as opposed to millions of people. It just depends. Mm. But but the idea is to try to be who you are, but be as smart as you can to leverage those things to your benefit. You know, I mean, I, I am pretty, pretty dogmatic about, you know, not being overboard on the, you know, the sort of L.A. mentality of, hey, you got to, you know, really go out there and network. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like your networking is gonna happen if you're if you're that great. It's gonna happen anyway, you know. Kirk, what you're saying here is so uh, important for the up and coming young professional musician. Mm-hmm. This really uh, is the crux of the matter. <laughs> I mean, because uh, you know, relating to my own life, I always knew I was an artist. I always wanted to play my songs and sing my songs. I wrote uh, lyrics and also instrumental music, and I was, but I never did because I 
always wanted to be a professional musician too, and I loved that side of it, both the studio and the touring, and I had more success in that side. Right. So I naturally was inclined to just go with that. But this is what you're talking about. These are the decisions that I think every young musician on the cusp of this, yeah. uh, uh, right? right at this time, they have to actually, unfortunately, ask themselves these questions and be brutally honest with themselves. And it sounds like you were doing that. Uh, it sounds like you might have made some adjustments along the way. Right, absolutely. But it also sounds like it worked out for the greater benefit to your solo career, which is, that was the original focus. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, you really do have to kind of manage your expectations and kind of, you know, like have those hard conversations, you know, like just the come to Jesus moment with yourself mm -hmm. and say, okay, man, how bad do you want the newest BMW? You know, how important is that to you? You know, versus persevering for your own solo yeah, career. Yeah, you know, like yeah. doing your thing and like yeah. trying to trying to have this 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 narrative that um, you know that builds and you and you, you can look back and you can stare at your grand grand you know children in the face and say you know I I I did this is what I did and it was meaningful. Um, I got a lot of joy out of it. It was a lot of hard work, mm -hmm. but I even got joy out of that and. And so, yeah, but I think that you do have to kind of have to, you got to grapple with that because I think there is a sacrifice. Like, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm, I in fact know that I'm not a great business person. In other words, my strengths are not in strategic thinking. I know people who are strategic thinkers and I'm in awe of them, okay? Um, I think that there's a, there's so many different kinds of people, but the way that I, I know that I'm wired is that really I have to feel something, and and the thing that I feel I want to convey, having worked really hard at developing it, you know, uh, and, and I get my satisfaction out of that. Like I get the satisfaction right. out, of, out of having worked hard to sure. to, to present this, sure. you know. And again, you know, that has a spiritual dimension to it, but. But um, for me, just in terms of career terms, you know, you can make a really, really decent living playing music at a high level uh, without, and again, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to push my particular um, MO on someone else, but without bastardizing what it is that, you, you know, that, that, that you feel like you should be doing or that you're really good at doing. Ladies and gents. Need I say more? <laughs> That's the whole premise of this podcast. You can have a career as a solo artist. You can have a career as a sideman. It's all about decisions and which lane you want to drive in. And, and this is my whole MO, my modest operandi, if you will. What do you want to do? Where lies your strengths? Find out, but find out early if you can, because you're just going to save yourself some time. And guess what? If you didn't find out early, that's okay too, because it's all part of the journey and you learned a lot along the way. You're listening to the Career Musician Podcast by Nomad. 
A uh, couple quick questions. I, you've been so gracious. I really appreciate your time. Um, practicing. You still practice every day, I bet, don't you? I do, yeah. Uh, and I and uh, here's the thing is that for me, you know, when you say every day, you know, you don't do anything every day but breathe, right? Uh, yeah. And eat. Right. Uh, but, but I think as far as, you know, the days that I have uh, that, you know, I'm not on the road, I'm not on a plane or, or wherever, right. <clears throat> counting those days as every day, um, pretty much most of them. Right. You know, yeah. Right. If, if there are sometimes when, you know, I just don't feel good or I don't feel like it, whatever. But, but I'm pretty much about practicing. That's that's you know. Um, your your practice regimen is mm -hmm. it is is it first of all is it a regimen or is it a free spirited uh, gesture that takes yeah. time over the course? For of the me, day? it's kind of a regimen because. Um, you know, I feel like I can... It's funny, right? Like for somebody who says, that, you know, I'm, I'm really not a good administrator and I'm not a good multitasker, but when it comes to practicing, practicing uh, yeah, you know, I tend to be very regimented. Because you have lofty goals, and in order to achieve those goals, you have to be organized, you gotta right? Be organized. That's what I feel in my Absolutely. own practice life. you got to be organized. That's and, and you're true. documenting as you go? Yep. I, I have to show you right here. I have yeah. uh, my practice journal on my phone. There you go. Um, practice journal, I love that. Yeah, I have a practice journal. Now, I also have a written one, but I, I depends. Like there are seasons when I don't document as well because I I know where I where I am or I'm working on it. What I'm working on right now is kind of kind of cyclical. It's like mm. you know, um, I know that this phase is about me getting my head around this, my fingers around this particular way of playing scales, mm. like playing them in seven. Pretty, you know, that's yes. the main thing. And uh, just doing these patterns in, 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 in sevens as opposed to eights because there's only seven notes. Notes in the scale. That's right. brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. So, and so, and as well, it, it also helps me to think in odd times. That's why the Gospel of Isaiah chapter 4 is very heavy on, you know, these, these other times. Madiba. <laughs> Let me just say, I am playing Kirk's tune Madiba with him, and it's yeah. a wonderful uh, display of odd meter and yeah hemiolas and hemiolas but with such passion and, and still you know so uh for me i have tmi technique method implementation mm. the technique learning how to make your fingers burn faster right mm -hmm. all the scales are pages you can do method is what is the method you're going with oh, I'm, I'm i'm discussing uh, uh scale chord relationships and, and or i'm discussing hemiolas or odd meters that's kind of a method thing implementation okay now you got your technique and your method go ahead and do it show yeah. me what you can do kid you know, right, right, so, right. Make music like, out of that. Make music out of that. That's <laughs> difficult. Making music. Yeah. That's Kirk. Oh, listen to that. That's Kirk jamming with his uncle Hugh Peanut Whalem. I've had the pleasure of meeting and playing some gigs with Peanut. Let me tell you, that guy is a blast. He had his own career just full of incredible music. And, uh, you know, it was really cool that Kirk did an album together with him. I just wanted to remind everybody that all the music you're hearing throughout this episode comes from Kirk's catalog. His discography is quite varied, and he's done many albums with family members, including Uncle Peanut. Also, his brother, Kevin Whalum, is featured on quite a bit, all the while bringing together different genres, gospel, jazz, R&B, funk, classical, blues melding all the different textures and colors together makes for a really nice sound. But I wanted to remind you, this didn't happen overnight. It takes time to build a career. So remember, persevere. Social media, uh, uh, branding or bragging, and where's the line? <laughs> That's great. 
Yeah, so um, I will say that social media is all at once the, 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 the greatest avenue and the greatest distraction mm. ever created. I uh, agreed wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I'm grateful for the avenues, you know, that it, that it opens. And I, I, at an early point, you know, uh, I had sense enough to know that, you know what, it's worth, um, it's worth investing in it, literally, you know, financially. So I actually have someone on retainer who deals with social media for me. Now, I also, you know, You post make your, your posts, absolutely. Yeah. But that's a business decision, and that's a very wise one. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think even at my level, like, now there are people like, you know, Rihanna, who, you yeah, know, who have a team of people Teams, doing yeah, 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 social yeah. media. But uh, definitely at, at my level, I think it's, you know, I, I think anyone uh, should, whatever is commensurate with, you know, what you can afford, you should make that an investment because... Yeah. Um, you know, nowadays it is about making those connections, and it's about you having those connections is what determines what you're able to leverage at the, you know, uh, at the, you know, what you call it, uh, nationwide or global on the on that level. Right. Having those connections, being able to prove by an actual metric, with somebody right, look the on metrics, there and the says, analytics, and yes. how it's measured with right. metrics. Yes, absolutely. You know, which is which is funny, right? Because there used to be. You know, TV shows get ratings and stuff, or yeah. radio shows get ratings, but those ratings were kind of slippery because, you know, this is like they're taking averages. But now, you know, with pretty accurate these metrics, it's yeah. like, no, I know we know precisely how many people yeah. are, are not listening to you at this moment. You know, so. <laughs> so Ouch! You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's uh, and, true. I, and rather than me getting into that, because again, I feel like it would be a distraction. Like, right. the same thing as like programming. You know, like I got, I went into when we were living in Nashville. I went through that that learning curve of realizing that wait a minute, I do not want to know this much about logic or outboard gear or uh, Pro Tools or any of that. Or yes. at that time, it was it was the uh, uh, the digital performer. The DP we were both using, That's and right. you had Jared, f- fantastic right. engineer who's working for you. That's right, yeah. programmer. But you again, these are the the, the questions you say. Look, am I going to spend my time doing X or yeah. Y yeah. or Z, and, and where are you best served? Where are you best yeah. suited to, to do this? Yeah, right? who are you? You who? know, it's, that's that's really important. You know, like you that's have to really huge. figure that out. And I know that I missed some. Uh, I missed. You know, like I, that time, you can't get that time back, you know. And so the time I spent, you know, in manuals trying to learn digital performer, I should have been practicing. Everybody knows almost doesn't count. Practicing. You know what? Sometimes you just have to cut up the time throughout the day and create a schedule that feels good to you. For instance... For me, I had to make time to carve out to do these podcasts because the interviews are great and they happen organically. But the editing and putting it all together, man, that takes time. So I've dedicated my afternoon sessions to my media. And my morning sessions, I compose and I produce. My early morning, I practice and meditate and do the things for me. I work out. So build a schedule, find out how you like to operate, and try to stick to it as best you can. 
Wow, there's just so much. I could talk to you for hours, brother, but uh, fitness, fad or lifestyle? And I know personally from watching you, for you it's a lifestyle. Right. But can you stress about how important it is for the working musician to yeah. make it a lifestyle rather than a fad? Sure. So, I mean, I, I do take it seriously. It's like yes. I'm paid to look good on That's stage. That's right. You know what I mean? And uh, by the way, you look great. And Thank it's, you so that's much. It's a lot of definitely, hard work. Definitely uh, not something that just happens. I know you have to get in there and work it out. And uh, to, I actually, I actually start out um, every day with these three things. Now it's just natural, but but uh, th- at one point I decided that I was going to focus on these three things. And that's first was spiritually, like every single day I'm going to pursue God in one way or another, right? Every single day I'm going to pursue my craft, right? I'm going to practice in one way or another, and every single day I'm going to. I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna take care of my body. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and whether that whether that's what you will not eat a lot of, or what you're going to eat a lot of. Right. Okay. You know, being like green things and more things that are grown naturally than processed or produced in a factory. Yeah. You know, it's all. You know, you can. You don't need me. Any. You know, you can just pick up any book. But so really, those are three things for me that uh, that I took seriously and. you know, again, you know, you, life has no promises. That none of that will say, well, I'm going to be around in another 30 years. None of that. That's right. None of it guarantee, will guarantee. You know, but what it will say is that you can feel good about yourself. Um, you can be a better vessel, to, which is at the end of the day the most important thing that mm. you can. You can be a clearer vessel to actually accomplish what you were supposed to accomplish while you're here, because it's going to be up before you know it. Mm. And you can feel better at the end of it. You know, reading Miles Davis' book has been enlightening for me. You know, just talking about how, you know, he he knew that that he had, had messed his body up so bad that he was then he was struggling at the end to try to you know try to do to reverse it. It was harder for him to to accomplish because of the way he had messed his, his body up. So yeah, that's that's good. That's good for everybody. That is such a great way to go out. I have to say, you have blessed me in so many ways in my life and anybody listening to this podcast is uh, I'm sure it will be agreeable with that uh, last concept and it doesn't have to be long grace you have shown me a lot of grace mm-hmm. when I was on the road with you I did an eight year residency with you as your guitar player mm-hmm. there were times when you should have kicked my ass out <laughs> but you didn't <laughs> There were times you should have took me in the back and slapped me around. You had Mac do it, Uncle Mac. I love Mac. Mac was Mac is our front of house guy, production manager at the time. Uh, I love you, Mac. Uh, I can't wait to let him hear this. Um, but you know, I find myself in similar situations now as a musical director or corralling musicians. Or, you know, I say, hey man, you get you get this knucklehead, and you just, ah, oh, come on, man, don't make it difficult. Just be cool, be workable, be be patient, be go with the flow. You know. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> because grace is bestowed upon us every single day. Yes, indeed. So who are we mm. to not do the same, right? Let it flow through our man. fingers. And you said it, man. You know, and, and, and yet, you know, Jesus still had to break it down. He, he, yeah. you know, he told the story, yeah. as always. You know, he said, well, so this guy owed the, so the, you know, the, owed the king you know, everything, but he couldn't pay. And mm. so he went and he begged. He said, please, please, you know, have mercy on me. And the king said, all right, I'm going to have mercy on you this time, you know. But, you know, you by this time you could have paid it off, you know. So then he went straight home, and his boy owed him something. And he goes, you know, 
beating his butt to give it to me now. And so the king heard about it. He's like, wait a minute, did I hear this correctly? That you, you didn't have grace on, you know. Yikes. So I mean, that, that that's it. really is, is that's what it's all about. I love you so much. Yeah, I man, appreciate I love you, back. you so much. Nomad in the house, in the hizzy. <laughs> Hashtag nomadic. Uh, uh, well, as Tom Braxton says, Cardinal Bishop <laughs> Dr. Wellum. Blasting the stereotype of musicians. Follow us at the Career Musician Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's interview, be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast. Check out nomadsplace.com for more info. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one-man band. A nomad. That's a wrap for today. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.